Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional. Once again, I've pulled from the library downstairs these three small hardback books, and they were originally published back in 1942, 43, and 1944. Uh, this first one is called Broadcast Talks. It's a UK version of uh, C.S. Lewis's first section of what would later become Mere Christianity. I've read from that once for you already on my daily devotional podcast here. Today I'm going to read from Christian Behavior, and at some point in the future I will read from Beyond Personality. I love sharing these with you because uh, they're, they're kind of old and precious and rare, and so I hardly ever get to pull them off the shelf. And uh, so I'm just delighted that you're here and that you're listening, and I get to share this with you, some of my great friends, uh, from uh, wherever you may be from. So thank you so much. Uh, this selection I want to read today from Christian Behavior wasn't actually a part of the broadcast talks that Lewis gave during the war. Remember, the uh, World War II uh, was 1939 to 1945, I believe. So a time when... Um, much turmoil in the world. Uh, 70 to 85 million people died in that war. And it was just horrific in every way. Uh, what did this great Christian thinker have to say uh, at such a time like that? And uh, what might we be able to learn uh, for our own time? Well, here he had carefully considered through as he thought through his broadcast talks. And when it came time to publish this little book called Christian Behavior, he thought he needed to add, I think there are four different chapters or sections that he added to the printed version uh, of the collection of broadcast talks. This one's on charity. And here's what he says. I love the honesty and the upfrontness of all of this. He said, uh, this is Lewis, I said in an earlier talk that there were four cardinal virtues and three theological virtues. The three theological ones are faith, hope, and charity. Faith is going to be dealt with in the last two talks. Charity was partly dealt with in number six, but as I had only 10 minutes, I had to concentrate on that part of charity, which is called forgiveness. I now want to add a little more. And I, again, I just appreciate the honesty. Um, I, I mean, I feel like we're just sitting right across the table from him. He's writing to us, talking to us. And here's what he says. First, as to the meaning of the word, charity now means simply what used to be called alms, that is, giving to the poor. Originally, it had a much wider meaning. You can see how it got the modern sense. If a man has charity, giving to the poor is one of the most obvious things he does. And so people came to talk as if that were the whole of charity. In the same way, rhyme is the most obvious thing about poetry. And so people come to mean by poetry simply rhyme and nothing more. Charity means love in the Christian sense. But love in the Christian sense does not mean an emotion. It is a state not of the feelings, but of the will. That state of the will, which we have naturally about ourselves and must learn to have about other people. I pointed out in the talk on forgiveness that our love for ourselves does not mean that we like ourselves. It means that we wish our own good. In the same way, Christian love or charity for our neighbors is quite a different thing from liking or affection. We like or are fond of some people and not of others. 
it is important to understand that this natural liking is neither a sin nor a virtue, any more than your likes and dislikes in food are a sin or a, virtu or a virtue. It is just a fact. But of course, what we do about it is either sinful or virtuous. Natural liking or affection for people makes it easier to be charitable towards them. It is therefore normally a duty to encourage our affections to like people as much as we can, just as it is often our duty to encourage our liking for exercise or wholesome food. Not because this liking is itself the virtue of charity, but because it is a help to it. On the other hand, it is also necessary to keep a very sharp lookout for fear. Our liking for some one person makes us uncharitable or even unfair to someone else. There are even cases where our liking conflicts with our charity towards the person we like. For example, a doting mother may be tempted by natural affection to spoil her child. That is, to gratify her own affectionate impulses at the expense of the child's real happiness later on. But though natural likings should normally be encouraged, it would be quite wrong to think that the way to become charitable is to sit trying to manufacture affectionate feelings. Some people are cold by temperament. That may be a misfortune for them, but it is no more a sin than having a bad digestion is a sin. And it does not cut them all out from the chance or excuse them from the duty of learning charity. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Don't waste time bothering whether you love, in quotes, your neighbor. Act as if you did. I got to read that again. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Don't waste time bothering whether you love, in quotes, your neighbor, act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. There is indeed one exception. If you do him a good turn, not to please God and obey the law of charity, but to show him what a fine forgiving chap you are, and to put him in your debt and then sit down to wait for his gratitude, you'll probably be disappointed. <laughs> Parentheses, he says, people aren't fools. They have a very quick eye for anything like showing off or patronage. And that closes the parentheses there. But whenever we do good to another self, just because it is a self made like us by God and desiring its own happiness as we desire ours, we shall have learned to love it a little more or at least to dislike it less. Consequently, though Christian charity sounds a very cold thing to people whose heads are full of sentimentality, and though it is quite distinct from affection, yet it leads to affection. The difference between a Christian and a worldly man is not that the worldly man has only affections or likings and the Christian has only charity. The worldly man treats certain people kindly because he likes them. The Christian, trying to treat everyone kindly, finds himself liking more and more people as he goes on, including people he could not even have imagined himself liking at the beginning. Isn't that great? <laughs> 
This same spiritual law works terribly in the opposite direction. And now, remember, he's writing during World War II and uh, as an Englishman. And so he says, the same spiritual law works terribly in the opposite direction. The Germans perhaps at first ill-treated the Jews because they hated them. They now hate them much more because they have ill-treated them. The more cruel you are, the more you will hate. And the more you hate, the more cruel you will become. And so on in a vicious circle forever. Now that same principle could be applied in our own day and time to different groups, couldn't it? Hmm. The more cruel you are, the more you will hate. And the more you hate, the more cruel you will become. And so on in a vicious circle forever. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. Some writers use the word charity to describe not only Christian love between human beings, but also God's love for man and man's love for God. About the second of these two, people are often worried. They are told they ought to love God. They cannot find any such feeling in themselves. What are they to do? The answer is the same as before, says C.S. Lewis. Act as if you did. Don't sit trying to manufacture feelings. Ask yourself, if I were sure that I loved God, what would I do? And when you have found the answer, go on and do it. On the whole, God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. Double amen to that. Let me say that. Let me read that again. On the whole, God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. Nobody can always have devout feelings, and even if we could, feelings are not what God principally cares about. Christian love, either towards God or towards man, is an affair of the will. If we are trying to do his will, we are obeying we are obeying the commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He will give us feelings of love if he pleases. We cannot create them for ourselves and we must not demand them as a right. But the great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, His love for us does not. Mm. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference. And therefore, it is quite relentless in its determination that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us, at whatever cost to him. That 
from C.S. Lewis's Christian Behavior, which becomes the middle section of a book called Mere Christianity. Let me, let me, let me pray for us today. Lord, thank you for charity, yours toward us first and foremost, Lord. Hmm. I pray for each and every one of us. Now, we've, we've come to the cross over and over and over again because we, we know it's at the cross you paid the price for our sins and our salvation was purchased there. But Lord, let us linger at the cross just a little bit more and reflect upon what made you, what motivated you to go there in the first place. Your great love for sinners such as we are. How amazing. What love is this? Wow. Lord, we're grateful. And as we, as we ponder the weightiness of that fact, that truth, um, Lord, may we be not only humbled, but grateful. And not only humbled and grateful, but also may we now turn and love our neighbors as ourselves and even love our enemies. Uh, Lord, may the love of God be poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And may it be put on full display by the church, the body of Christ, uh, the hands and feet of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. This podcast is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. Don't forget to also subscribe to one of our other podcasts, Curate's Corner with Kim Thomas. Every Friday throughout the season of Lent, join Kim as she looks at the story of Jesus' last week as told through classic art, prayers, and scriptures. You can subscribe to her podcast on all major platforms, including the Village Chapel YouTube channel, and you can find accompanying resources at lent.thevillagechapel.com. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas, music by Phil Kagey.